Hey, Lighthouse Niagara family, this is Pastor Joel Sloss. I hope that the message you received today blesses you so, so much. Nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Lord, tonight as, as we hear your word, Lord, I pray that our hearts will be pricked, that our hearts will be open, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would go before and, and move and, and soften, open. Lord, uh, you talked about the spirit of truth that would come and guide us. And Lord, tonight I pray that you would guide us into all truth. Lord, that we would recognize truth as, as it is spoken. Lord, that we would recognize uh, you as the ultimate truth. Lord, that we would recognize that there is no your truth or my truth, but it is just truth. And Lord, I thank you for this. Amen. So, persuaded. What's the word persuaded mean? Uh, for those of you that don't know, I, I was a high school teacher for like 30 years, and so I, I'll do rhetorical questions all the time. Um, and and uh, so I may ask you a question, and, um, and then you, you'll say, well, does he actually expect us to answer? Eh, maybe. If you, if you feel like it, you can. Uh, but persuaded. Persuaded means to convince by argument analogy or evidence I don't know if uh, if Matt's keeping up with me there, oh look at that oh sweet look at that persuaded to convince by argument analogy or evidence so one of the things that you have to to recognize is that you may need to change your mind that's the first thing the first thing is you you may need to change your mind and and people talk about you know you know some people are open-minded closed-minded and, and we're not talking about being so open-minded that your brains leak out. We're not talking being so closed-minded that, that nothing gets in. But we're talking about allowing the Holy Spirit to move in our lives and, and to sort of remind us and, and stir things in, in your hearts. I don't know, how many of you have experienced that where you're reading in the Bible and, and all of a sudden something will just pop at you. Like it'll just kind of go poof. And you say, whoa, where did that come from? And it'll be like, okay, this is, this is really... I don't know, how else to say? It's really real, right? It's, it's, it's real to me. So, um, so there are some things that, that I'm persuaded of. There's some things that I'm persuaded of. Uh, first, of all, first off, I'm persuaded that I actually exist. I, I'm persuaded. You know, we, we've got the classic arguments, you know, I, I think, therefore I am. Um, I'm persuaded that I exist. And I'm persuaded uh, that there is a God. Um, and... If you want to talk to me about that, how, how I'm persuaded of that, um, I can give you all sorts of evidence for that. But uh, I'm, going to, uh, I'm going to be talking, this is a, a Bible study, so we're going to be talking a little bit about the Bible. And uh, lately, it's come to my attention that some people are deciding that, you know, I don't necessarily agree with that part of the Bible. And so I'm going to just kind of say, no, that was that was an analogy, or that was an allegory, or that wasn't literal, or that wasn't real, or that wasn't what they meant there, or this. And so I'm going to start, and I'm going to start say, okay, we need to have a foundation, something that we agree on. And so in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 3, um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go there, and uh, some of you are going to look at me and say, okay, you're going to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, the entire chapter, and I'm going to say yes. And I'm, uh, I'm reading in the King James-ish, uh, so uh, 
in case you're wondering. And the reason why I read in the King James is because my uh, Bible app allows me to hit the word and then look at the Greek or Hebrew behind it. So it's, it's very handy uh, to find some of the, the deeper, richer meanings that uh, Joel and, and the pastor like to uh, always pull out there, right? So just in case, you know, I, in case I delve into the Greek here, I'm not going to, I don't think. I don't think I'm going to Greek tonight, but just in case. And so it says, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, Know this also, that in the last days perilous times will come. Remember I talked about nothing will separate us? Perilous means like nasty. Okay, Nasty times are going to come. For men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parent, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof, from such, turn away. Okay, now I don't know if you recognized anything, but that sounds like today. I, I don't know. Like, here's the one, the one that just jumped out to me, false accusers, right? Oh man, you're a misinformation spreader. Or if you're doing it on purpose, it's disinformation, right? Uh, anyways, Sorry. Where was I? Yes. From such turn away. Verse 6. For this, for of this sort were they which crept into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with divers lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that is the one that jumped out at me. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I, I we, we have those wonderful things like social media. And uh, last week somebody posted something and I responded just a sort of a little one-liner. And uh, it, it went like <laughs> down very quickly. Uh, and, and it was exactly what I'm talking about tonight. And it was like the Holy Spirit was saying, hey, here's a, here's a little bit of a prep for you. Here's some questions that you need to think about and need to answer uh, when you're doing your, your lesson, uh, when you're doing a lesson on, on Wednesday night. And so um, the ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Okay? So... The truth. What is the truth? We'll get to that in a little bit. Just keep that thought in mind. Now, as John is in Jambres withstood Moses, so do they that resist the truth, men of corrupt minds, reprobate concerning the faith. Now, if you're wondering who Janus and Jambres were, you won't find them anywhere else but here. Um, they were the the uh, the uh, they were the magicians in. Uh, Egypt, that were doing all of the miracles that Moses was doing, or most of them anyways. Did you notice that the first couple of miracles, you know, Moses did something and the magicians did the same thing? How many of you noticed that? Right? Like, it's like, okay, oh, you, you did that too? Wow. That's impressive. Right? They had power. Okay? So these were not, you know, little guys that didn't have any power. They had power, spiritual power, um, from the wicked one, but uh, they still had power. Um, but you have, uh, verse 10, but you have fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, afflictions, which came to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of all of them the Lord delivered me. So, Paul is writing to his buddy, okay, his buddy Timothy. This is a letter, okay, this is an old letter, and the guy's saying, hey, you know, you were there. You remember this place, you know what happened here, and you know what happened here, you know what happened here. Okay? So he's referring to some things that have happened in the past. 
And yes, all that will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and seducers will wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Because one of the things that has to happen is, is at some point in time, people that try to deceive you, they start believing their own lies. And uh, it's, it's kind of nasty how that ha happens. But, this is Paul talking to Timothy. He says, but continue you, continue thou, in the things which you have learned and has been assured of, knowing of whom you have learned them. Okay, so Paul is saying to Timothy, look, remember the stuff I taught you? You know who I am. You got a, a record of who I am. Okay, so it's, it's probably okay that you can trust what I'm saying here. That's what, that's what this, this is saying. Paul's saying, you know me. You know me and you know that I wasn't you know, feeding you a line of horse excrement. It's the technical term for stuff that isn't true. Um, where was I? And that from a child you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. And I want to stop there. What are the holy scriptures that he was referring to there? Holy scriptures he was referring to there. This is Paul talking to Timothy. Holy scriptures that he was referring to. He was talking about the Old Testament. He was talking about the Old Testament. Gospels weren't there yet or widely distributed. Paul's letters hadn't been distributed everywhere. He was talking about the Old Testament. Let me re read that again. And from a child you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. In other words, the Old Testament gives you enough information that you can have faith in Christ Jesus. Verse 16. All Scripture... And again, what is he talking about? Old Testament. Now, we, in, in, in these days, we refer to the whole canon, the, both the old and the new. But when Paul was writing this, he was talking specifically about the Old Testament. He said, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. So there's my foundation. I'm persuaded the Bible is true. Because I have, we have a little bit of a conundrum here. Because this verse says, all scripture is inspired by God. All scripture. Not some, not the ones I like. Not pick and choose. It says, all scripture is inspired by God. It's like that, ex that expression, everything I say is a lie. If everything I say is a lie, then that's not true, which means that not everything I say is a lie, which means that some things I say are true. And This is the other way around. This is saying everything is true. It's all inspired by God and profitable for doctrine, for reproof. So we're sort of stuck there. It's not, you know, I can pick and choose and I, I don't like this, I don't like this. It says all scripture. All right, moving on. Luke uh, 24, 27. Luke 24, 27. And for those of you that are wanting context, this is uh, Jesus uh, appearing to two guys that are walking on the road to, 
Emaus, 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 whatever, however you say it, Emaus, whatever, that one. If you don't know how to pronounce it, I don't either. Uh, he's walking there. This is just after Jesus rose from the dead. Just after he was crucified, these two disciples are walking out of town and they're saying, you know, Jesus is dead. That's what they're thinking, okay? So in, that's the context. So two guys walking down the road. Third guy comes up and says, hey, what's going on? And they said, haven't you heard? You know, and then Jesus spoke to them. Actually, <laughs> remember that scripture, you don't, don't call your brother a fool? Listen to this one, Luke, Luke 24, 25. And he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them all the scriptures, in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So Jesus told them, about himself from the Old Testament using prophecy. And so one of the things that we need to be aware of is that the Old Testament, well, you know, some people say, what's well, the Old Testament? It's, it's, it's sort of not there. The Old Testament is very much a, uh, a foreshadowing of things to come. There's, there's information, there's historical information, but a lot of it is foreshadowing, especially if you look at the, the, uh, the children of Israel. A lot of what their, 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 their law was foreshadowing things to come. Okay, so... Jesus used the Old Testament to show who he was. One of the things, one of the things that he said, and let me just get this one right. Verse 4. This is in Matthew, chapter 19, verse 4. Matthew, chapter 19, verse 4. This one is going to hit some of you um, a little bit, a little bit. Uh, in the beginning, God created. Now, if you've gone to school any time in the last 150 years, um, they will tell you that, well, you know, God may have created, but, you know, the, the earth is billions of years old and the universe is even longer than that. And, um, yeah, it just doesn't quite add up. This, you know, the first few chapters of Genesis, they're not really literal. They're, they're allegorical. They're, they're a metaphor of, of things. It was metaphorical. Okay, so here's part of the problem that I have with that. I don't know, how many of you ever heard that? How many of you heard that? Okay, so let me, let me spend a little bit of time on this. I, I've, I will tell you that uh, about 20 years ago, maybe it's a little bit more, 22, 21, 22 years ago, uh, I remember I was I was at work, and uh, back in the day when the internet, you know, was dial-up, you know, when, when you, if you wanted to find something on the internet, you know, you, you tied up your phone line, and your phone line went, you know, a few times, right? How many of you remember that? All right. And I can remember being at work, and work had high-speed internet. Like, they were, like, fiber at that point in time practically right and so internet searches at work were a little bit easier than at home and I can remember being prompted by the spirit of truth and I'll use that term several times tonight the spirit of truth being prompted by the spirit of truth to come up with a 
rational explanation for my faith. What do I actually believe and how do I explain it to high school students? How do I explain it to them in such a way that I can say, well, this is why I believe what I believe. This is why. And, and trust me when I say, the last two years, you know, if somebody tells me one more time, you know, follow the science, uh, I want to slap you, okay? I want to slap you. But let me say that I'm not averse to science. Science is wonderful, the study of nature. That's what science is. It's the study of nature, which will never find God. Just so that you know, science will never find God. Why not? Why not? Why will science never find God? Yes, why, why not? No, 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 no. You're, think about that. Let me, let me say it one more time. Science is the study of nature. How many of you agree with that? Yes. What does super mean? Outside of. God is outside of nature. In order to create all of this, God has to be outside of all of this. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Like, my phone, which is amazing, just so that you're aware. These things are, like, mind-blowingly amazing, okay? My phone can't recreate another one of these things. It can't make itself. It can't imagine something and make something from inside of itself to, to come out of that. Okay, so it doesn't, it doesn't work. By God, by definition, is outside of nature. And so science will never find God. Now, I will say that science will show lots of evidence for God, and I will tell you there is tons of evidence for God. There is tons of evidence for God. Like, tons. But we've got a little bit of a problem. How many of you are followers of the Christ? Followers of Jesus? I'm looking around, probably most of you are, are followers of the Christ in here. You're at a Bible study on a Wednesday night. So, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure that's the case. So, Matthew 19, verse 4. And he answered and said unto them, Have you not read... Where have they read? In the scriptures. Okay? So he's talking to Pharisees, and, and they had asked him a question. I'm not going to look at the, what the question is. But he answered them and said, Have you not read that he that made them at the beginning made them male and female, and said, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two will be one flesh? Wherefore they are no more two but one. But God has therefore joined together, let no man put asunder. So this is uh, answering the question about divorce. Um, and, and actually the question was, can a man put away his wife for any cause? And, and Jesus saying, have you not heard? So here's the, here's, the, here's the thing. Anybody know where he was quoting from? He was quoting from the book of Genesis, two places. He basically paraphrased two, two scriptures. Uh, book of Genesis, uh, Genesis 1, and I'll read it uh, for you. Genesis chapter 1, uh, verse 26. 
And God said, let us make man in our image after our own likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created uh, he him, male and female created he them. And he blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea and the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Okay, uh, We haven't lost that dominion yet. We still have that dominion, just so that you're aware. In other words, we, we, we're able to, dominion means that you can do whatever you want with it, pretty much. That's what, that's what it means. Um, also, in, uh, in Genesis chapter 2, Genesis chapter 2, 21 to 25, it says, And the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh thereof, and the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman, and brought her unto the man, Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because he was taken out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. There you go. So that was Jesus. Jesus quoted out of Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Now, do you think that the word, if you read John chapter 1, if you uh, read um, some of the Gospels, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Not a way, a truth. You know, half life. He's truth. Do you think the truth would uh, use a story without telling us it's a story? Or a parable without telling us a parable? How many of you have noticed in the gospel it says, and Jesus taught the people using a parable saying, and then he'd go on, a, a sower went out to sow a seed, or, you know, there were two, and he would always say, and Jesus taught them using a parable, right? Or he'd say, this is like that, and you get that this is a metaphor or a comparison. Jesus didn't do that here. He said, isn't it written at the beginning that God did this? Male and female created them in the beginning. Jesus refers to the creation story in Genesis and affirms it. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, how about this one? Matthew 24, Matthew 24, 24, 37 to 39. But as the days of Noah were, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Hmm. Bible's true. Creation is true, according to Jesus. He just talked about the flood. Oh, shucks. Flood happened, too. Most people will, will sort of, when you talk to them, well, you know, first 12 books of Gen uh, first 12 chapters of Genesis, yeah, I'm not so sure that they're real. 
good stories. You know, the flood of Gilgamesh, right? It wasn't a, a global flood. It was sort of a local flood. It, it just sort of happened. It wasn't everybody. As a little aside, how many of you have ever seen like a, a, a child, child's nursery with, you know, Noah's Ark on the, on the wall with, with stuff like that? You know, way to celebrate the death and destruction of everybody in the world except for eight. Woohoo! Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I'm persuaded. And, and I, I will tell you, um, people say to me, okay, Andrew, like, what about the fossil record? What about the fossil record? How many of you heard of the fossil record? How many of you heard that it's like, a, like it's millions of years and it's a, it's a record of time over many, many, many years? Okay, I will tell you that um, that is the standard line that you will hear in high school, in university, in any science textbook, you will hear that. And I just want to go through and, and ask you some questions, and I want you to think about this. Okay? So I'm going to ask you some, some random questions. Not random, but they're, they're focused questions. Roadkill. Anybody ever seen Roadkill before? Okay. So I did an experiment. Uh, it was probably about 10 years ago now. I did an experiment. I was, I was curious, right? One of the things that we need to do, we need to check our hypothesis, and the scientific method is to, what do you do? You have a hypothesis, and then you test the hypothesis, and you observe, and then see if the hypothesis follows what the evidence is. And if it doesn't, then you need to go back and re revise that. Makes sense, right? <laughs> so, so I'm cutting the grass at our place, and uh, I, I cut the, the ditch in front of our house, the, the, the side of the road in the ditch, and just because it makes it look neater, right? And uh, I noticed one day that there was a dead raccoon on the side of the road. And it was just on the edge of the, of the road and the, and the grass. And one of the things um, that I, I've said to my wife, I noticed this, that it seems that when people go past our house, especially the big trucks, they, they go off the road into the gravel, and then there's like dust, and then they, they come, come back. I don't know what it is. Maybe the wind hits them funnier. Anyways. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do an experiment. I'm going to watch and see how long it takes for this raccoon to turn into a fossil. What did they tell you in school? Well, stuff died. And then stuff fell on top of it. And then, you know, it turned into a fossil. Ish. It's sort of the... So I'm going to see what happens here. So I left it there. And every week I'd, I'd come back with my lawnmower and I'd go past this dead raccoon. And you know, the, 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 well, the nice thing about the, the raccoon was small enough that it, it wasn't like a big stink. And it was about a week. And so what I noticed was that the raccoon got, you know, big. And then the raccoon got small. By the end of the summer... All that was left was like a, a little bit of hair and like the fangs and the jaw of this raccoon on the side of the road. Stuff had come and eaten pieces off of it. Um, it was covered in dust from the, but it wasn't a fossil. It was almost gone. In, in fact, by the next spring, there was nothing left of that, of that animal. And, and so when I look at this, I think, okay, so that, that's the first thing. So think about roadkill, okay? Think about roadkill. Second thing, 
Um, how many have ever been in the gorge before? Gone for a hike in the gorge? Young adults, got to have your hands up there, okay, because you've, you've been there. I've seen the pictures. How many of you notice that there are layers in the rock? Layers in the rock, how many of you notice that? Okay. How big are these layers? How thick are they? Approximately, some, some layers. Some are like this, some are like this. There's a few that are like pretty tall, like right at the very top, there's a really big thick layer, the cap rock, very thick. But most part, is they're, they're thin layers. Um, so uh, one, of our, one of our members here, Cheeto, um, is a geologist, and he worked in the, the tunnels in the, in the tour. And uh, one of his job was to figure out where the tunnel was and if it was on the right level. And what you may not realize is that these rock layers, they go from like Rochester to, you know, Sault Ste. Marie. They're, they're the entire, in fact, the escarpment, if you look at the escarpment, goes all the way around, goes Hamilton, goes up through Milton, it goes up the, uh, the, the Tobermory, uh, up to Tobermory, then it goes across onto Manitoulin Island. Uh, if you've ever gone on the Cup and Saucer Trail on the on Manitoulin Island, that's part of the escarpment. It's all part of the same thing. And, and those rocks layers are there. Uh, I, I know a guy who has a well in Shirkston. And he says, according to the, the guy that, that dug the well, his water is coming from Owen Sound. Based on stuff that's in the water. There's a, it's, it's in layers. Those layers spread over hundreds of square miles, thousands of square miles. So how do the layers get there? What did they tell you in, in high school? Glacier? Glacier? Is that, is that the only, only thing? Was it a glacier or was it something else? Sediment? Where did the sediment come from? From where? Ocean? Who's, I'm, who's, oceans? Okay, so, but, yeah, you have, you, have, you have water there, but where did the sediments in the water come from? They, they don't just show up in the lake. They don't spontaneously come from, where do they come from? They had to come from something being eroded. Did you say erosion? Okay, so Terry, I, I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear you. Erosion, thank you. That is the correct term, erosion. So what did they tell you? Well, there was this mountain over there, and it eroded over hundreds of thousands of years. How many of you heard that one? Okay, have you ever wondered? I'll, I'll give you another little picture for your mind. How many of you have ever seen a, a load of dirt on somebody's paved driveway before? Load of dirt on somebody's paved driveway. How many of you have seen a load of dirt on somebody's paved driveway and it rains on top of that? What happens? It, it spreads all over, runs down, washes over it in there. Um, if they had two loads of, of dirt on the driveway, what would happen? They would run down and run together and mix and whatever, right? Would you have like a uniform layer of one type and say, okay, this pile's going to go first and that pile's going to go? If you take a look at those layers, you'll find that la those layers are the same density throughout that entire layer. So how do we get one mountain saying, hey, I'm going to erode right now and then hold off. Don't, no, no other mountain can erode until this one is done, and then we'll do the next one so we have a different layer on top of that. They don't tell you about that stuff, do they? Yeah, didn't think so. All right, fossil record. 
Matt, can you throw up that, uh, that uh, hyperlink? We're at the hyperlink. If you want more details, trust me on this. Take a look at this. If you want the link later, come and see me. I will send you the link. I will text it to you. Remember I was talking about I was searching for a reasoned explanation for my faith? And I don't know if you've ever had this happen to you where you had a bunch of different pieces of information and then you got one more little piece of information and then all of the things that you knew all of a sudden rearranged themselves into this picture and they go and it's like, oh, how many of you had one of those before? Where it's like, oh, that makes so much sense. This was what happened to me. This is what happened to me. I was looking and uh, I can remember I was looking at a guy by the name of L. Dolphin. I have no idea who this guy is. LDolphin.org. It's still online. It's a really, really archaic website. Some guy puts together some list of all these different things. And one of the, the things on his list was this creationscience.com. And uh, there, I, I read this, and, and for those of you that like to read, there's about 700 pages with footnotes and links to science articles all over the place. And it's like, when I read this, it was like, oh, God, you are amazing. You are amazing. It makes so much sense. See, here's the problem with the fossil record. Here's the problem with the fossil record. Here's what they tell you. They tell you that the fossil record is a, a period of time. Why? Because we can observe erosion right now, and we can say that uh, it's about 10,000 years per centimeter of erosion now. That's what they will tell you. So if that's what it is now, then we can extrapolate back and say every centimeter is 10,000 years. So that means that, you know, uh, an inch is uh, 25,000 years. Uh, 10 centimeters is about, or four inches is about 100,000 years. Okay? And so we just count the layers and we, we see how thick they are and then we can see how old something is. And obviously it makes sense. The lower something is, the older it is. Does that make sense? Here's the problem. Here's the problem. They never tell you how a fossil forms actually. Because here's the problem. In order to form a fossil, you have to bury it deep enough and fast enough that the little bugs, the little amoeba, the little bacteria aren't going to eat whatever it is that they've got. They need to have oxygen to work. Those de decomposers, they need oxygen. If there's no oxygen, then you have to have, there's a, there are some that run without oxygen, but for the most part, they need to have oxygen. So you have to bury it deep. How deep do you have to bury it? Like 30 feet. So here's the problem. In order to for, for you to form a fossil, you have to bury it about 30 feet deep, right off the bat. That's the first problem. So how do you bury something 30 feet deep rapidly before it decomposes so that it builds up at 100,000 years per four inches. So 30 feet would be like 1.2 million years or something like that, some crazy amount of time. It doesn't make sense, it doesn't work. Worse than that, how do you spread out all the same type of stuff over like thousands of square miles and then put the stuff in there? They never tell you that, never tell you that. And so part of this is, Part of this is you have to look at this and say, okay, how does this work? What's logical? What's rational? 
Uh, Genesis chapter 7, uh, verse 11. I call this one the, the big gulp. Big gulp. Genesis seven eleven. That's, that's the way I remember it, 7 In the 600th year of Noah's life, in the second month, on the 17th day of the month, the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were opened. Okay? Now, if you read through the rest of chapter 7 and the rest of chapter 8 and the rest of chapter 9, you'll find out that Noah and the, his family and the animals were in the ark for how long? So we're told, you know, the Sunday school songs, 40 days, 40 nights, rain, whatever. They they were in the ark for 372 days. Because if you read at chapter 9, it it says something like, and in the 601st year, in the second month and something day, they walked out of the ark. They were in the ark for a year. Not only that, the Lord sealed them in. Noah didn't close the door. God closed the door. That great deep, if you look at the Hebrew, uh uh-oh, did I? Oh, man. Hebrew. So the word great is rab, R-A-B, rab. And it is like the mostest, the bestest, the highest, the deepest, the captain of the guard, like the, the ultimate, penultimate, Whatever superlative you want to talk about, that's what that word great, great is, that rab word. Okay? And the word deep, deep, is abyss. Like the, the bottomless pit abyss thing. So this is like the mother of all deep pits is what that great deep is. Genesis 7-11, the big gulp says that the fountains of the great deep broke open and the windows of heaven were open. When I was a kid, you know, my mom said to me, oh yeah, you know, the springs started to, to bring water up. My mom's sitting here. She told me this, right? I'm Because I'm, I'm, we don't know this. We don't talk about stuff like this in church, okay? It was like the springs, you know, were springing up and then it was starting to rain. No, no, this was not the springs going like, oh, look, there's a nice little spring, the water running down. This is like... You know, supersonic jetting of water, you know, water hammers in like catastrophic, cataclysmic rainfall that basically, if you take a look at the evidence, uh, launched rocks at the moon and put craters on the face of the moon, started the asteroid belt, uh, put the comets into space, um, buried the mammoths in an hour in the uh, thing. And, and it goes on. Like, trust me when I say, if you, if you like science... Go digging here. And your brain is going to go like, whoa! And it's going to go, trust me on that one, okay? I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. There's evidence. So basically what happened is I went and I went started looking. And I found this. And all of a sudden, everything that I had learned, dinosaurs. You know, oh no, they're talking about dinosaurs. We, no dinosaurs. Stay on the dinosaur, A. Where were dinosaurs? 
God created dinosaurs. You know, dinosaurs are a reptile. You know, reptiles keep on growing. As long as they live, they keep on growing. They have enough food, they keep on growing. Why do you think there were very, 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 very large reptiles in the fossil record? Because they had like 1,600 years to grow. Why do you think Job talks about behemoth and Leviathan? Yeah, there's some spiritual, you know, parallels. These were large water creatures. They were there. Were there any on the ark? Maybe. Do they have to be like a T-Rex at, you know, 10 stories tall? No. You can have a little T-Rex hatchling, right? Works just as well, right? And keeps on growing afterwards. Matt, can you do the uh, generation slide? Genesis chapter 5. If you've ever read Genesis chapter 5, Genesis chapter 5 is one of those scriptures where you look at it and say, oh, cross my eyes. Oh, I don't want to read this one because it's like, whoa. So we're going to go there. Genesis chapter 5, verse 1. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day God created man, in the likeness of God made he him. Male and female created he them and blessed them, called their name Adam in the day they were created. How long did Adam live? Well, Adam lived 130 years. That's what verse, two, verse 3 says. Adam lived 130 years. Then what happened? And he had a son in his own likeness after his image and called his name Seth. Now, if you read chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, verse 25 and 26, it says, And Adam knew his wife in Old Testament, knew Adam had sex with his wife again, and she bare a son. She had a son and called his name Seth. For God, she said, has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. So, between creation and Seth was 130 years. So how long were they in the garden? I don't know. Less than 130 years. Less than 129 years, three months. Probably less than 100 years, probably. Because Cain and Abel were already farmers and tilling and doing stuff when Cain killed Abel. There are already people there. Where did the people come from? Do the math. Boy, girl, sister, brother, cousin, aunt, uncle. Yes, that was the case back then. For example, Abraham. Abraham married his half-sister, in case you were wondering. Married his half-sister. Yeah, it was there. happened. Read the genealogies. You'll start to see some interesting stuff in the genealogies. And the, the really strange thing is, and here's another th thing for how the, 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 tr the truth of God's word. It doesn't pull any punches. Like, if you were writing a book and you wanted to write about somebody, would you say the bad stuff about them? Or would you say, oh, you know, this, was a, this person did this and they were fantastic, they, they were wonderful, and, and you kind of build them up and you sort of gloss over their, their flaws. Uh-uh. You know? 
David sees his neighbor's wife. She's taking a bath in the backyard and he's watching her. Yeah, it's in the Bible, right? Gives the guy a death sentence, puts him out in the middle of the, the battle, right? Like, not good. Bible records that. If you were writing books, you wouldn't, you wouldn't include the bad stuff. You would just kind of gloss over that. So, book of the generations of Noah, or sorry, of Adam. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son of his own likeness and called his name Seth. In the days of Adam, after he begot Seth, were 800 years and he begat sons and daughters. Sons and daughters. Uh, they've done a little bit of a, a study. A typical thing in order to have sons and daughters... And we know that there was at least three sons. Why? Because there was Cain, Abel, and Seth. And to have daughters, typically their families were eight to ten people in order to get that kind of a uh, mix. Okay? Had sons and daughters. And all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. Okay? The really cool thing about this genealogy is Moses writes this genealogy in exactly the same formula. There's a guy... He had a son at this age. He lived this long after he had the son. The son lived, had another son, lived this long after, then he died. And it just keeps on going, keeps on going. That chart up on the screen that you can see there is the genealogy as a chart. And if you take a look at it, Adam lived 930 years do you realize that Lamech, and Lamech is like seven generations down or eight generations down, was still alive with Adam for like 50 years? And if you want the graphic, I've got it. I can give it to you later. You can see it later on. But basically, Adam and Lamech were alive at the same time for about 50 years, and they were related. They're family. Lamech and Noah were alive for a long time. Lamech and Shem were alive for about 50 years. Who's Shem? Shem is the son of Noah. So in three generations, basically, and it's not really three generations, but effectively, you know, I'm talking to my grandfather, I'm talking about my grandfather, we've gone 1,656 years, covered the entire flood. I always wondered as a kid, how did Abraham know about God? How did Abraham know about God? I was, it, it always boggled my mind that Abraham would know about God. Like, where, where did this, like, why did this guy leave Ur of, of Chaldees? How did he know that this was God? Who was, like, where did this come from? Where did this knowledge come from? Right? It's like, you go from Noah, and then all of a sudden, you're, boom, you're in Abraham. Shem. Let's take a look at Shem. Shem is the interesting one. Shem is the blue line underneath the, the green. If you look on the, on the screen, there's a, like a vertical blue gradient. That's the flood. Okay. Shem is alive with Lamech, who was alive with Adam. Shem was alive with Isaac. Let me, ref let me repeat that. Shem was alive with Isaac. In other words, Shem, Abraham, lived most of his life with Shem alive. They talked. They were family. 
They're family. Shem talked with Lamech, family. Lamech talked with Adam, family. It's like four generations, basically, in effect. Four, four different generations where there was an overlap to get from Adam to Abraham. Where did Abraham find out about God? Probably from Shem. Probably from Shem. Uh, in fact, if you take a look at it, I think Isaac, uh, let's see now. Abraham and Noah, uh, Abraham was born the year that Noah died. In case you're wondering. I thought it was fascinating. If you take a look at Luke chapter, um, where is it? Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 verse 21. Now when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also being baptized and praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Ghost descended in a body, bodily shape like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven saying, uh, Thou art my beloved Son, and in thee I am well pleased. And Jesus himself began to be about 30 years of age, uh, being, as was supposed, the son of Joseph. And then Luke does a reverse genealogy. And he goes from Jesus to Adam in reverse and there's a listing of all the people that were in his genealogy and at the very end of it there is uh, Adam who was a son of God now when we look at the fossil record the fossil record is a record of death basically wondering where the fossil record came from well, we got a little bit of a problem here. And this is, this is sort of the, the crux of, of my, my problem with, with evolution. Well, there's a number of them, but this is, a, this is a major problem. So there's some people that say, well, you know what? God used evolution to create the world, and, and there's billions of years, and over time these things changed. And then so, you know, somewhere back in the history there was a, a group of people, and they, they sort of had the Adam and Eve story as part of that. That was part of a, you know, as humanity built up. Well, the problem is the fossil record is a death record. It's a record of death, right? Record of death. So when did death enter the world? When did death enter the world? here's the problem. This is, this is what we don't do. We don't think things through. So, if evolution is true and the fossil record is a record of death, of death over time, billions of years, and I'm not saying that the, the fossil record is not a record of death. I agree with that 100%. Okay, I just disagree on the timing. If the fossil record is a record of death, and I agree that's true, because you, you find dead stuff in there, right? There's dead stuff in the, in the fossils. If that's the case, if we evolved recently, like in the last 100,000 years, like they say, stuff died before us, which means 
death didn't enter as a result of sin, which means Jesus didn't need to die for sins because it's already dead. Death was already there. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work. And so we got a problem. If the Bible is true, and if uh, sin entered the world as a result of death, or sorry, death entered the world as a result of sin. Um, let's see now. Where, where does that? Where is that one found? Uh, I got to go f- a little bit further here. Genesis 2, uh, 15 to 17. Genesis 2, 15 to 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may eat freely. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat of it. For in the day you eat thereof you will surely die. For those of you that are wondering, I, I'm, I'm convinced it was a cherry tree. Um, why do I know it was a cherry tree? <laughs> Just, this is, a, this is a joke here, okay? Because it doesn't say that it was an apple tree or a cherry tree or any kind of tree. I just say it was a cherry tree. The reason I say it was a cherry tree uh, is this. Um, chapter 3 says the serpent was more subtle. The woman said to the serpent, uh, but the fruit of the tree of the garden of the mist you don't touch or lest you die. And the serpent says, oh, you won't die. Uh, for God knows that the day you eat your of, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. And the woman saw the tree. She saw the tree. Saw it was good for fruit, for food and pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. Cherries are like, that's cherries. It's describing cherries right there. Like, it was good for food. Like apples are like, meh. Cherries, on the other hand, are like so much better. <laughs> Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. Verse 12. Here's what the Bible says. Wherefore, as by one man's sin... Wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. All scripture is inspired by God, profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction and righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped unto every good work. Is this inspired by God? Is it true? Hmm. One man's sin, one man's sin entered the world. Because of that, death entered the world. If that's the case, and the fossil record is a record of death, the fossil record had to have happened after sin happened in the world. Had to happen after creation. Had to happen after. Okay? Just using logic. Serpent, Genesis chapter 3. 
serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, hey, did God really say you should not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman answered the serpent and says, we may eat of, every, of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Which is true, they could. But of the tree of the fruit, which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Is that true? No. Didn't say anything about touching it. Just said, don't eat it. She said, don't touch it. Added that one in there. And the serpent said to the woman, oh, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. For God knows that the day you eat thereof, your eyes will be open and you'll be as God's knowing good and evil. Is that a lie? No, that's true. The day that they ate, they knew good and evil. They would be like God. They knew good and evil. One of the things that you're going to find out, you probably notice this, that, you know, a good con comes along and tells you most of the truth and then snookers you with a lie. Right? So one of the reasons why you need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. You need to know the Word of God. You need to have an absolute that you can depend on. Don't take my word for it. I'm going through and I'm talking about stuff and I want you to think and I want you to be aware but I will tell you, you need to set the Word of God as your standard. You need to set that as a truth. If you have a doubt about something, if, if there's a question between the Word of God and something else, the Word of God is true. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say, I, like I've been around for like 50 some odd years. It's not that long, but long enough. I, I haven't found that to be wrong yet. Serpent asked the question, the woman saw that it was good for food and it was pleasant to the eye and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took the fruit thereof and did eat and gave it to her husband and he ate as well. And the eyes of both of them were opened. So the, what the serpent said was true. Their eyes were opened. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day in the garden and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. The Lord God called unto them and said, Adam, he said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree where, that I commanded you not to eat of? And the man said, it's her fault. Right? It's her fault. God said to the woman, what have you done? The woman said, was a snake. It's a snake. Snake tricked me. Did the snake trick her? Absolutely. Did she fall for it? Yep. Should she have? Nope. They had one law. One. One law. Don't eat from this one tree. And they blew it. <laughs> Don't worry. We would have blown it too. <laughs> Yeah, we would, trust me, we would have blown it. But that they made it that long is amazing, right? They made it like at least a day, maybe. We don't know how long they, th this happened. We don't know. All, all we know that there was enough time for them to have a habit of talking with God in the cool of the evening. We, there was enough time for that habit to be established. Hey, God, God's going to come in the cool of the evening, we're going to talk. So then the Lord curses the serpent 
And listen to this. Genesis 3.15, prophecy. I'll put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head and, and thou shall bruise his heel. This is referring to Jesus right there. Okay? Uh, the word bruise in, in, uh, in Hebrew talks about, you know, crushing, breaking, uh, you know, making a mess of. So the snake's head gets crushed. Jesus' heel gets bruised, broken, hurt. Okay? So it wasn't easy, but it wasn't the same level of destruction. Uh, it says that he will multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow will you bring forth children, and your desire will be to your husband, and he will rule over you. Um, and then to Adam he said, Because you have hearkened to the voice of your wife, and has eaten of the tree which I commanded you, saying you should not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In sorrow you will eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns also and thistles will it bring forth to thee, and you will eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face shall you eat your bread until you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and unto dust you will return. Weeds, it's part of the curse. Having to work all the time, part of the curse. Pain in childbirth, part of the curse. It's, 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 it's there. This is a consequence of that day you sin. And as a result of this, they died. Look at what happened. Here's the first death that gets, 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 uh, that happens. Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Unto Adam and his, also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skins and clothed them. Skins of what? Animal. How do you get a skin from an animal? You got to kill it. There was a sacrifice, first sacrifice. It was a covering. It was a covering. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. Now lest he put forth his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from where he was taken. So he drove the man, uh, drove out the man and placed at the east of the garden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So there was a tree in the garden that would have allowed them to live forever. If you read in Revelation, there's a tree next to the river that the leaves of the tree are for healing of the nations and it gives fruit every, every month for the healing of the nations to live forever. Okay? It was there at the beginning. It's there again at the end. Devil is a liar. I'm persuaded. Bible is true. Jesus used it. In the beginning, God created. The flood happened. Death entered the world by sin. The devil is a liar. Genesis uh, 2, 16 and 17, we talked about it. They only had one law. Do you ever notice that they weren't startled about the snake talking? You notice that? Eve has a conversation with the snake. Woo! Yeah, it's normal. Hey, yeah, the snake's talking to me. Yeah, I'm talking to the snake. I just thought that was interesting. Beware the talking snake. Um, I should wrap up fairly soon. Yeah, I should. Just a couple more things. Um, 
A lot of times uh, we get frightened by the devil. We get frightened by the devil. Uh, the Bible says to resist the devil and to flee youthful lust. Example, Joseph with Potiphar, right? She said, hey, come sleep with me. He left, left his clothes behind, ran out, okay? Uh, if you want scriptures for that, uh, Luke 4, 1 to 13, uh, the devil is, is talking to Jesus. Hey, you know, do this, do that, try this, try that. He's tempted. And Jesus always came back with the word. I always came back with the word. I always came back with the word. He was resisting the devil. He wasn't afraid of him. He was resisting. James 4, 7 talks about youthful lust. Um, let's take a look at, because I'm sure that this one is good. 2 Timothy 2, 22. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the name of the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. We don't want to do that. John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. You can go through that. Know the Word of God, because if you know the Word of God, you know Jesus, because he is the Word. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. John 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus is the truth. You can depend on him. You know, we, we have the, th the expression these days, well, that's your truth. It's not my truth. How many of you have heard that one recently? Right? It's your truth, not my truth. No, there's just truth. It's either true or not. Acts chapter 1. I'm going to close with this. Acts chapter 1. And uh, one of the th things that this uh, fellow that I was talking to online said, well, you know that the Bible didn't talk about wait for the New Testament canon to be finished, finished before in Jerusalem. No, what did, what did it say? And it was a rhetorical question, and I knew that the answer to the rhetorical question was this. And so Acts chapter 1, verse 1, it says, The former treaties have I made, O Theophilus, of all the things that Jesus began to do, uh, both do and to teach. So that was Luke. Luke writing about the Gospel of Luke. This is a continuation of Luke, written by Luke, the physician, scientist. He was an observer. He paid attention. He wrote it down. We got that information. Up to the day which he was taken up, after that through the Holy Ghost, had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also showed himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs. In other words, he persuaded them that he was Jesus and that he was true, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days from now. Verse 6 and 7, I'm going to skip because they were talking about, hey, when are you going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, but you will receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you'll be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. 
spirit of truth will lead you and guide you in all things. But you can't do what you don't know. Acts chapter 19. Uh, I love this. I love this, the guys here. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Listen to their answer. Uh, we've never heard of the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about? That's basically what they said. We never heard of the Holy Ghost. What are you talking about? And he said, well, how, what were you baptized? So well, we were in John's baptism. You know, we were dunked in water. Then Paul said, John truly baptized with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him that would come after him, that is Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And Paul, when he laid his hands on them, the Holy Ghost came upon him, and they began to speak with tongues and prophesied. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done so, know the truth. Dig into the truth. Learn it. Study it. Feed on it. And let the Holy Spirit guide you. It says that uh, Jesus had to leave, otherwise the comforter wouldn't come, that it would lead us into all truth. I think that's at the end of uh, uh, Luke as well. Um, I have it somewhere here, but I passed over that note. I'm persuaded the Bible is true. I'm persuaded that the beginning God created. I'm persuaded that the flood happened. I, I'm persuaded that death entered the world as a result of sin. I'm persuaded that the devil is a liar. And I'm persuaded that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. I'm convinced of this absolutely. I have no doubt in my mind. Lord God, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you have given us a way post, that you have given us signs, that you have given us instructions for life, basic instructions before leaving earth. Lord, you have given us information that we can know you better that we can know you more. And you've given us the Holy Spirit to guide us into truth and to lead us. And Lord, tonight as, as we leave this place, Lord, that the, the birds wouldn't come and, and steal the word. Lord, that it wouldn't be on a, on a hard soil. Lord, that the cares of this world would not choke it out. But Lord, that there would be good soil, that it would be growing up and creating good fruit. Lord, that there would be a harvest that is 30, 60, 100-fold. I thank you, Lord. You're so good. Lord, I pray as we go into this week, the rest of it, Lord, I pray that uh, you would uh, direct us and lead us in the way that you would have us go. I ask these things in your name, Lord. Amen. Hey, Lighthouse family. Thanks so much for tuning in to another one of our podcast sermons. I'm Pastor Joel Sloss. For more podcasts, media, and live stream services at lighthouseniagara.com, Sundays at 10 o'clock. God bless.